They shovel it forward, Newcomb. Here's a chance for Scotty's boy, McGuinness. From the pocket. First goal in AFL football for Finn McGuinness. Moore takes the mark, Wingard, no. There's a better option, he felt. Arnie with the spoil, Phillips. Eventually it is Chad. Wingard back to goal. Puts up another for the Hawks. Nash thunders the kick back to full forward. Lewis! Not quite, but Gunston's gonna do it. Another exhausting game at the MCG. But so it begins for Sam Mitchell. It begins as it's often did for him as a player, as a winner. What a win, Hawks fans. It was indeed a wonderful afternoon at the G for the season opener this past Sunday with Hawthorne's youngest side since 2005 defeating North Melbourne by 20 points. It was an extremely pleasing start to the Mitchell era and we're delighted to be back to recap all the big talking points right here on the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason and joining me is a man who is very happy to be back at the MCG. G'day, Tiz. G'day, mate. What a day. Started brilliantly. Gunner didn't have his... You know, compass on early in the game, but geez, we were on early. Like, who who had a word to Mitch Lewis, and what did they tell him? Put that on the wall somewhere, please. Does Mitch Lewis listen to this podcast? Because I said I wanted to see him be a match winner, and didn't he come out and look like it? And that was before Mackay went down. He was just <laughs> plucking them from everywhere. He definitely looked the goods. What did he do? He kicked three goals in the end. It just gave us a focal point, and Gunston's like, oh. Look at this. I'm probably going to get the, won't get the best defender now. And uh, did he make the most of it? It was wonderful uh, just to see um, him back, Sicily back, Giath, who was only, if that's just fit, my goodness. <laughs> it was electrifying, wasn't it? What a display. Uh, look, we're, we're already headlong into the recap. We've just bolted from the blocks here. Uh, we'll get to the scoreboard first of all. Hawthorne, 11-12-78, defeated North Melbourne, 8-10-58. And with a scoreline like that, Tiz, it's little wonder that we heard from Lemo. Comedian Lemo hit us up at Hawk Talk Pod. Who will we play in the grand final this year? <laughs> Geelong. That's it. What reality are you living in? Well, they're first. We're third. We'll play them in the first week and then roll around. Play them again. Well, see, this is where having a gold membership really comes to the fore, mate. I'm glad I've hung <laughs> on to it because since we are playing finals, I, I just like the fact that we'll get priority access. I tell you what, it was really good to be back in amongst the uh, the M10 faithful, those Hawks fans, back in standing room and the culture. Mate, I wondered if it was still alive and well because we haven't been able to do it for a long while. Um, but the songs were there, the chants, everything was back. And even just stepping foot, in that standing room area, it it was very like kind of emotional actually. So the day meant a lot to me, and uh, you know we we met a lot of listeners before the game as well who uh, came to meet us and um, pick up the guide, the copy of the season guide. We'll give that a proper plug later. But it was just there were some great highlights with the people we met. Uh, I've just got to advocate for one of them who asked, "When are we going to Darwin, Nick?" <laughs> I wondered if you'd bring that up. That's going to be following me around for the next month, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show, obviously. Uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's really good. And, and, and everyone was a little bit nervous, weren't they? They were sort of uh, excited and nervous. And, and apparently that was part of the uh, Mitchell camp as well. <laughs> that's right. Nervous-sided is the new entry into the Oxford Dictionary, I think. Yeah, that's, that's very cute that the twins would put that together. <laughs> <laughs> 
There were highlights from top to bottom, not just personally, but obviously on the field. A number of MVPs. I want to highlight one guy straight off the bat, Jai Newcomb. That mark that he took, I, I was just you know waiting for him to make it spill or make it a 50-50 contest or looking to see who would crumb it. I don't know how he took the best position from where he was. That was incredible. <laughs> Freakish, instinctive, wonderful. And there was another mark like that too, uh, Giath, who was completely out of position. That's what youth can do for you. They do things that aren't in the script. They shock you with uh, some of the things they can do. It's the thing that we saw on display in John Newcomb's debut, the, the sheer will to win, the hunger and the, the willingness to put body on body and get the ball was back in full force this game. And that, that mark did exemplify it, but we saw it from siren to siren. We heard from Jared at Hawk Talk Pod. Am I the only one shocked by Jai Newcomb's ability to run and spread from the contest? We knew he was a bull, but when our legs looked tired, he went to the next level. Did he ever tears? What, what a fantastic second half, and in particular, the final quarter. Yeah, running away from Hall a couple of times, but he had a, he had a shocking number of inside 50s. And I think the first kick to Lewis uh, in the first quarter is, is Jai Newcomb coming out of the centre. And they're beautiful passes. This is exactly what we've been looking for. I mean, he ran at 78% for the day or something, but when you when you let him into space, no one gets near him. He's got a bit of that innate footy IQ to, to find the space initially, but then to lower the eyes too. One of the best plays of the day was Joe Newcomb delivering silver service to Mitch Lewis, one out in the square, and... It was simply a thing of beauty. For any Hawks fans out there, they know what I'm talking about. When was the last time you saw us get a one-out, one-on-one contest in the goal square? Never happens. Never. And, you know, as soon as the ball went sailing in there, I backed Mitch to win it, and he did. It was just one of the best plays of the day, hands down. And the more we can see stuff like that, if we can engineer forward entries like that, uh, which actually reminds me, we saw very little of the bombing to packs. Uh, nowhere near as much as usual, which I very much appreciated. But I I thought that delivery from Jaya was exquisite. We'll get to his stats now. 18 touches at 77.8% disposal efficiency, uh, three goal assists and a goal for himself. That I would classify as the best four-quarter performance of any Hawk out there. I don't know about you, Tiz. Uh, Well, his second quarter was a bit down, um, but I think he had a a strange role that he wasn't comfortable with. But to do what he did, the nine scoring involvements... Um, which equals Jack Gunston, by the way. 462 metres gained, second only to Sisley on the park. The kids are natural, and, and, and a lot of those metres gained are him carrying the ball. You know, that's running with the ball, which really puts the fear of God into defence. <laughs> You're running at. I mean, um, that's what provided those those matchups that you were talking about, the one uh, the one outs, was him getting past the initial defence. Another really quality driver of the footy in uh, CJ here. I mean, 24 touches at 83.3% disposal efficiency, nine intercepts, a team high, six spoils, three inside 50s and four score involvements. He just, he played only 70% game time, Tiz, and yet he was a major influence on the contest, and you knew it immediately. From the first term, he was on. Yeah, um, fantastic to see. And the crowd loves it, and, and I think that his teammates love it. I think they get a lot of drive out of just him having the ball. It excites them, you know. Anything can happen. Um, good for the side. Uh, it's just, you know, we talk about 
GF and Sicily back there, and they both faded towards the end of the game. Let's face it. I mean, Sicily looked out on his feet. But you get some real game time into these boys, and, and we've, got a, we've got a good unit down there. I noticed Sam Frost was excellent on the day. He truly benefited from Sicily being there. I feel like Sam Frost is... I've got a number of guys in sort of my underrated mentions, but um, Sam Frost is a guy that's certainly among them. I, I don't think I've seen him get that much coverage online and on our social media and uh, certainly not at the game. I, no one was talking about him, but the fact was he did a bloody great job. His one-on-one work was excellent, yeah, as well as DGB. I mean, you didn't notice him. There was a cameo at the end of the game where... He sort of the crowd got to acknowledge him um, because he's such a high draft pick, and then and then Hardwick just I really enjoyed Hardwick's game. A bit personal here, but uh, I got into a little bit of a fracas with an MCC member who obviously barracked for North Melbourne. Um, well, not obviously because uh, wasn't wearing any colours. So, <laughs> uh, but apparently having a crack at Zerha for being so anonymous on the day was uh, one step too far for this gentleman, and he thought. I didn't have any good opinions. And uh... <laughs> did you give him a business card? What about the season guide? Oh, I tell I tell you what, I thoroughly. It was about halfway through the third quarter, and I I thoroughly enjoyed that last quarter. Oh, oh, just really, you know, I was enjoying it and the atmosphere and everything. But after that, I was just absorbed. Totally. I want to just circle back around to, we were talking about CJ before, and I think you make a good point that the crowd are right behind him. At some point last year, and I think it was confirmed in this very game, he's been elevated to fan favourite. Like, people at Hawthorne adore him. The fans can't get enough. And we knew that we'd need him for this game. We, we thought maybe we had a deficit in our drive off half-back, and it would be... You know, is he fit? Is he good to go? We really need that drive from CJ. And I thought he brought it in spades. And as one of my favourites too, I think I even said it on the podcast, like who, who are you looking forward to seeing when you get back to the footy? And he was absolutely up, up there, top of the list. So I thought that was uh, that was so great to see. Now you're burying the lead here, mate. <laughs> Speaking of my favourites. It's Mitch Lewis. That was a look at me, I've arrived performance yeah he might need to put it together over a couple of weeks yet but i'm going to refer to george here one of our listeners george hit us up at hook talk pod mitch lewis i never liked him still don't like him i love him great game (laughs) (laughs) he uh he finished with 3-1 he was involved in seven scoring chains and he looks like a genuine match winner which again if you listen to last week's episode that's what I was crying out for, for from his season. Just he's got the consistency. Now he needs to win games off his own boot. And he looked every bit the part. And I was speaking to someone, uh, listener of the show, uh, M10 faithful as well, Peter. I think it was Peter who said after the game, it was presence. Mitch Lewis had genuine presence on the day. And he looked threatening. He looked scary as far as a kangaroo supporter is concerned that he could blow the game open. So I loved it. Nine marks, six of them contested. That's an exquisite stat, Tiz. Well, I did notice that that they focused on kicking to Gunston in the second half, I think. Um, Mitch Lewis went further up the the ground than he had been earlier, but I think that's because Jack uh, still doesn't have the tank and he just wanted to stay closer to home. But um, but it worked out it worked out fairly well. Jack um, made Zebel look stupid a couple of times, 
And it was, you know, it's just, if you can get that, and I know we've got Bruce to come back in and also McAvoy will drop forward in coming weeks. Um, if you can get Gunston and Lewis being focal targets who can take a mark or bring a pack mark down, wonderful. You might even see more of Wingard. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I certainly hope so. We'll, we'll get to him soon. <laughs> uh, we had a question about personnel, actually, from Flat Track Paulie. At Hawk Talk Pod, Mitch Lewis seemed much more certain about his role. More latitude to run from Sam or just extra fitness? Could Cozzy, Lewis and Gunston all play forward at the same time? Now, I imagine that last one in particular is a question on the minds of all Hawthorne fans. Yeah, so <clears throat> it was fascinating. Didn't really understand why Cozzy would be left out. Um Perhaps they were looking, or the plan was to go with McAvoy as a one-out ruck. And to bring two rucks in, it meant you have to drop one of the key forwards. But it provided us with a lot of space, and we didn't see, as you say, the packs that we normally see coming together. There were 10 changes from our last game last year in that lineup, And to get that kind of result, and with the cohesion there seemed to be, across the lines in that especially in that first quarter we you know we've just we've just cleaner for longer than north they gave us a lot of goals through their own mismanagement of the football but things like contested marks 17 to 13 that's a far better score than we've been putting together in recent years marks inside 50 14 versus 8 you know and even this stat inside 50 tackles 14 to 7 this is the this is the kind of stuff that that Mitchell's been looking for, and I'm not saying everything went to plan on the weekend, but you can't describe how important it is for Mitch to take those first couple of marks. Well, you speak of not everything going to script necessarily. I think the cleanliness was very hit and miss. There were certainly patches where it was downright comical. I think we can all cast our minds back when we were watching the game. You know exactly the stretches I'm talking about, where. <laughs> It's almost like we're circling for the knockout blow. We just couldn't land it. it is, there was a patch where nothing was going right for either team, really, and it was quite amusing. Like, oh, that, these are teams down the bottom of the ladder, you say. Oh, okay, all right. It's good for context. But we mentioned Jack Gunston before. Uh, 18 disposals, 10 of them contested. He finished with 3-4. It took him a while to get his kicking boots on, but, uh, you know, three goals, not a bad result in the end. He was the most dangerous forward on the day. He's done away with the cobwebs, Tiz. When you consider that he played 96% game time, it was a very strong return for him. Well, it was very important, actually. Um, they put Zebel on him, and, well, he just beat him hands down in each contest. So they moved McDonald onto him, and basically they nullified each other's influence on the game after that, which was a huge win for Hawthorne. Just allows someone else to bob up. I want to move on to uh, the other end of the ground, actually. James Sicily. Uh, the other returning Hawk, we've been without this pair for a long, long time. It was great to have them both back on the park at the same time. Uh, Sicily, towards the end, looked absolutely gassed. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Gunston definitely got the rust off. Uh, Sicily, he might still take a little bit longer. That's to be expected. Such a big first game back. Uh, just a lazy 27 touches. No wonder he was stuffed. 27 touches, 7 intercepts, 538 metres gained, which is one of the highest out of both teams. Uh, look, there's no doubt that he's still really good. He's only going to look better with time and games as well. So I thought it was a very strong return, much like Gunston. I enjoyed Sammy Mitchell's uh, speaking about him and saying, look, um, he was basically marvelling at the fact that Sicily would go out and just hit a pinpoint pass straight 
that's his first touch. He thought he might not get that from him this week, but that's Sicily, isn't it? He's just that's what I can do. There are a couple of times I just thought, oh, the arrogance is palpable from the stands. It's just marvelous, you know. <laughs> that confidence, I should say, but it, it it comes with that swagger which makes it seem arrogant, but. Wonderful to see. That's what makes James Sicily James Sicily. It's it's all swagger all the time, and I love it. It just contributes to what he brings to Hawthorne. I'm a big fan. Uh, we better move on to our midfielders, namely captain for the day, uh, Jager O'Meara. Now, we got a question from Aaron at Hawk Talk Pod. Haven't heard much chat about Jager O'Meara's game, which I'd assume he'd be disappointed with compared to what we know he can produce. Are we in for another season where our midfield trio doesn't click as well as we want, or was that a one-off? And if it's not, how patient is Sam Mitchell? Well, look, it's true. Our clearances, uh, our clearance game was awful. And in a 6 6 6 game style that we're enduring right now, um, that's just not going to cut the mustard. So I don't expect Sam will be that patient. However, this week, uh, Jager uh, was injured. I think that was kind of clear. And he was playing off the half forward line for most of that first half. But still, four touches at no disposal efficiency, that's zero. Uh, really, he would have been most frustrated. And he, and he did have a negating role at times, um, which he did all right. But, you know, 15 touches to the end of the game and, and, and got his hands on the ball towards the end. Uh, he looked very rusty. And, and so, did, um, so did Tom. Tom Mitchell gave away two fifties, which was directly resulted in goals to North. One was didn't give the ball back quick enough after being told by the ump, and the other was a cheap little, I'm not even sure Nick Larkey meant to do it, but he pretended to handball and Tommy moved. Yeah, but it's still a concern, the midfield. In, in fact, uh, one thing you got, just got, you just got to look at the positives. I mean, we won, and the reason we won is because our young tribe turned up and influenced the game. You know, that, that McDonald and Ward... Um, although they didn't have that many touches, were really good. Like, you could get excited about their influence. They were solid contributors. We'll get to them soon. I just, yeah, it was a weird sort of a win, wasn't it? Because these guys that we've relied on pretty strongly in the past, uh, you know, they're a go-to midfield contingent. I think you and I, in our best 22 for round one, we had these guys. I'm talking about O'Meara, Mitchell, and Warple. This was not necessarily a game that was one off their efforts. Usually, very much our victories are down to them and what they can produce. But, uh, you know, occasionally, as you say, O'Meara has played off half forward and it wasn't just him. Sometimes you see Mitchell there as well and it was a, it was a weird forward setup. Warple spent a lot of time at half forward. I guess what I'm hinting at is occasionally you'd be like, what's that guy doing there? I don't think he can play there <laughs> if you're not playing midfield. Well, it's not just that, because they can play there, but we've got players who are better there. Yeah, I, sp- that's, I suppose that's what I mean, yeah. I'd much rather Wingard there than, than Warple. Uh, I would have I made that swap. I would have had Warple at the full forward line and, and Wingard at the half forward. But I'm not sure he's fit, is he? He can't be fit, Wingard. 
if he's if he's feeling the cold in that kind of weather, you know, he must be footy classified are already all over this. I'm sure it's a it's a stunning rebuke of Clarkson's ways. Who really cares? <laughs> exactly. I think Mitchell summed it up pretty well in his post match presser. It's if a player is comfortable and is happy, and that's how they want to express themselves, then so be it. Yeah, I'm sure that's what Mitch said. To wings at halftime when he'd had no influence on the game whatsoever. Hey, uh, Chad, I just I wouldn't mind if maybe you could express yourself a bit more. I just wanted to check in on your personality, made sure you, you don't feel like you can't express yourself out there today. I thought you might want to express yourself in kicks and handballs. What do you reckon, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> but, full credit to him, turns up, plays a stellar three minutes and kicks two goals. That, that goal... That's a wonderful kick, that. Like, the timing on that kick is ridiculous. We heard from uh, one of our listeners, Arriving Virus, love Chad and love that he's brought back the long sleeves, but could he show up for more than one quarter? Makes me question why we gave up so much for him. I was having flashbacks of of Chad last time we played North at the G. Remember that? He just, I think it was his, his first game in Melbourne for us. Just turned it on. That's why I had faith that eventually he'd bob up. I must admit I was getting a little concerned <laughs> well into the second half. I'm like, oh, is he going to do anything? And I looked into his stats after the fact. The second term, mate, donuts. It's like he wasn't even out there. It's just zero all over the stat sheet. Not a single stat. But as you say, bobbed up in the final quarter with back-to-back goals and, oh, Chad. <laughs> now, he's not the only player on the, on the park who covered a questionable performance with a wonderful goal. Go on. Finn McGuinness. What a hell-raising goal that was. The crowd was up and about. The quick handballs inside 50 uh, involving some of our youngest players and, and you know, the, the next battalion of Hawthorne uh, Premiership stars, hopefully, uh, just culminated in this wonderful goal and then the whole team came together to celebrate it, which was just fantastic scenes. I must say, mate, the view from M10, it looked awfully rickety. I did. He didn't know if they'd fire off a shot at goal. I thought it might all fall apart. But uh, look, it was uh, it was good reward. It was frankly good effort throughout the day, but lack of polish for Finn McGuinness. Mate, up to that point, he has 13 touches for eight turnovers. Exactly right. He's trying, but it's just not come together for the kid. So he's been at the halfback flank in Box Hill under Sammy for a year or so, and that's where he likes to play him, and he's dependable. I reckon Sammy keeps him there a while longer, don't you? Or? Well, he finished with 14 touches at 57.1% disposal efficiency. It's one of the worst on the ground for the game. Uh, but there's little sense in dropping him. Like, I know we have some very good talent to come back in the side, but I just don't know how it benefits him to uh, to lose his spot. He needs exposure. We need to see what we have with this guy. And the fact of the matter is, that's his fourth game, I think. And it's his best one. Now, I know that might surprise people, considering we've just shone a massive spotlight on his awful stats, his deficiencies throughout this game. But hang on. As someone on Twitter said, you know, you're only noticing because he's getting the ball so much. That's exactly what I was about to get to. This was his most industrious game for the Hawthorne Football Club. You can't tell me anything about games one to three for Finn McGuinness. You just can't. It was virtually anonymous. I don't care what the stats say. You don't remember a thing. 
If you say that you do, you're fibbing. I do. I remember him lining up on the Bont. That was an interesting choice. Actually, yeah, I think we did talk about that on the podcast <laughs> now you mentioned it. But this was clearly some kind of a turning point for Finn. He was somewhat influential, for better or worse. Certainly that goal, he picked a bloody good time for his first goal in AFL. Now that was influential, and a great goal it was too. And he's thoroughly prepared, the young man. He's built a, an AFL body. He really has. So the... The determination needs to be rewarded, and I, and I hope that he can take the opportunities. I think he'll play a few weeks and then probably um, get pushed out for talent in that back line. But the industry of the fella and the honest, um, hard-working ethic he has should probably bring him through to a good AFL career, I expect. Well, just on that point, we heard from Lauren at Hook Talk Pod. Saw Mitchell specifically spoke to McGuinness one-on-one at halftime and at the end of the game. More conspiracy thinking on my part than a question, but I'm thinking Mitchell may have offered him a place on our side for a few weeks, maybe three or five, regardless of how he plays, to see what he's got. Now, back in the day, long-time listeners of this podcast, they might remember that that was, that was something that I was clued into. I, I had a big belief that that's what Clarkson would do, is give players a block of time in the seniors to prove themselves and see just what he has in terms of their ability. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget James Sicily's debut, which was bloody awful. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There's no other way to describe it. And then they let him follow up with a few more games and he got a taste for it. I mean, that's that's what happens. That's I think that's a very good way to do it. I want to circle back around to the midfield now with a question from Dino. Uh, thoughts on the Hawks having enough depth, legs, and another gear in the midfield? I think it was deliberate and great to start the kids in the middle for that game and slowly bring in the vets. Yeah, that was that was an obvious tactic and I enjoyed it because it was like, uh, we've got confidence in these players and um, you old blokes, you know, it's, we're not totally reliant on you, so go about your game and um, it's about the future, basically. That's what you're saying to the fans. And I was disappointed for Lynch, um, another head knock. Um, and I was worried that, uh, you know, they'd be too tall for us and they'd be able to expose us for height. But um, we just looked too fast. Much of that was made in the footy media, actually, in the wash-up of this game, that North Melbourne made a selection error, big tactical error in going way too tall. But surprisingly, in that wash-up, no one will mention the fact that we lost Lynch pretty early on in the game. You would have thought that might be a factor, but uh, it's not something that North Melbourne did anything with. They didn't take advantage of that at all. Well, they weren't allowed to. Uh, We had... Mr. Fix-It, Connor Nash, straight into the ruck. <laughs> I was wondering when this was going to come up. Yep, Nash in the ruck. We had some questions here. Uh, Darcy and Numo along the same lines here. Uh, the first one from Darcy. We finally saw Nash in the ruck for a period of time on Sunday. Thought he was very serviceable in that role and gave Ned an important chop out. What did you guys think? And the question from Numo, thoughts on Nash in the ruck? I felt that he was really good as a follow-up player around the stoppage. You'd be thrilled with this, mate. You're in your element here. Go on, hit me with some Connor Nash stuff. Only the 10 touches, but ran at 100%, and there was one uh, touch in the final term, which was sublime. Just a little sneaky pass, and I thought, hello, I don't need to worry about his spot on the side any longer. Which It's been a bit of a wild ride, to be honest, but I think he's <laughs> found a niche. I think he has too. Yeah, it has taken a while, but I reckon he's onto something here, and... You know, he led the team for tackles as well. He notched up three clearances. And, you know, Ruck is not his game. I know he's got the height, but I don't imagine that's what he's trained for. 
But uh, he, he held his own. He filled in admirably when we needed him to. So that's credit to him as well. Well, I mean, Reeves had, I think he had 11 hitouts and and a number of those to advantage. So I'm not sure what happened. You know, we'll get to the selection issues soon. But uh, rest assured, our selection issues are far easier than Port Adelaide's. <laughs> that they are. Who have a raft of injuries after their game. So... Whether we've got the depth in the midfield, I think that's pretty clear that we don't. That's why we have so many midfield come forward and midfield come half backmen, but uh, and so many rotations. But for Mitchell to go, all right, we're going to see the youth and we're going to see what they can do for us. I, I is exactly what we've wanted to see. It's exactly what we need, and. You know, you can get excited about guys like John Newcomb. A question from Anthony here. Clearance dominance again was an issue, which we've touched on earlier in the show. Uh, in the first quarter especially, what do you think is the best mix to overcome this in the centre square? Can, can I pick my mix? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I think John Newcomb, Connor Nash, Chad Wingard, and uh, I'm going to go with Reeves. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not bad, but the point is... We just don't roll that deep in there. I mean, I can see McDonald with his quick thinking and quick hands being very good inside in a few years. Um, his his ability to pick up the ball while already looking at where he's going to put it is remarkable. That's been his forte. That that was his draft profile. So if he can build upon that expertise and take it to that level, uh, that'd be great. So they're just gonna they're just gonna roll into these positions and and. Look, it's going to be a, a, a long time, I fear, because uh, I'm not sure we're going to recruit anybody who's going to fix that. You've got a Brownlow medalist in there. You've got a NAB rising star. You've got some very good talent that still can't get clearances, and I'm not sure it's it's due to a lack of will anymore. We're bobbing all over the place here, uh, but we move on to Matt's question. When the pressure was really on late... DJB showed composure. I didn't think he had. His style seems more kamikaze. <laughs> a bit of Sicily on-field leadership was helping him, perhaps. Do you think that's valuable insight there? Well, yeah, I was a bit... Like, I, I liked the the look of DGB when he debuted and, and his attitude and everything. And then this was the entire flip side of that. It was, it was almost studious the way he played the game. <laughs> it was... Uh, and and I really appreciated that actually, like I, I felt last time he was trying to do too much, be too much like a James Sicily, uh, announce himself on the AFL stage, and this time he just did his job, did his role, and I felt that um, yeah, I I had a lot of respect for him doing that. Yeah, I thought his game was understated and indeed underrated. Uh, I want to talk about, obviously, we've mentioned Sam Frost. I think another underrated guy was Dylan Moore, who actually, if you do care about these things, I know you don't, Tiz, uh, AFL fantasy points, he topped a lot. He was top of the tree for the Hawks, Dylan Moore, which I did not see coming. How? I have no idea. Okay. That's why I never played AFL fantasy, only super coach. <laughs> So Dylan Moore, he had an impact. I didn't quite think he had that much of an impact, but he, he played his role. Uh, we've talked about Connor McDonald and what he brought. Josh Ward, what did you make of his game? Oh, very exciting. The kid's got natural talent. It, it, it's just so good to see a kid come in and just look like they belong. And he does. I, I would say that was true of both our debutants. Um, you know, this was a weekend, first round of the season, where... 
one big narrative was look at all these guys making a big splash and you know you got that kid for Essendon the the rising star nominee who kicked five and that was a sensational game in which they got absolutely annihilated by dad's army uh (laughs) but uh, no 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 no. look over here we've got exciting young talent it's like yeah well your debutante probably shouldn't be best on ground for you just saying (laughs) like what are the rest of the blokes doing anyway uh I felt that no one will be talking about Hawthorne's debutantes because they're not, they weren't as as flashy or, or as exciting as other players on the weekend making their mark. But the fact of the matter is that you, you can't underestimate the fact that Ward and McDonald just fitted in fairly seamlessly. They weren't found out. They, they held their own. And for a first game, that's bloody decent. Compare that to Hugh Greenwood, who looked like he didn't know which side he was on. <laughs> Compared to that, you know, these these kids are... I'm not sure if it's built for them, but they're certainly making it easy easy for them to to show their wares. We had a question from Richard who wonders what the ceiling is for the Hawks of our midfield clicks because our forward line with Gunston back looks a bit more dangerous with the right supply. Our defence was tight despite being outsized and under siege. So what is the ceiling here, Tiz? Do you want me to get the iced water? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to say Richard's getting carried away. I'm not sure that he is, but it is round one. It is the wooden spooners. It wasn't a day where everything went perfectly to script for Hawthorne. So, look, I, I wouldn't get carried away just yet. I'm not revising my predictions in terms of our um, final ladder position. Let's say that. Uh, but a win is a win, and, you know, there were good signs. You've got to be happy with a lot of what you saw, really. Well, like he says, if the midfield does click, we start winning clearances, we start getting easy goals from a centre bounce, um, we don't have to work as hard, make it truly, truly excellent. And you'd be pushing for middle of the middle of the ladder, looking at finals, if that happened. Well, I mean, Richard, Richard makes a fantastic point that at either end of the grounds you got some bankable assets there. there it's, it really is the midfield that needs sorting out pronto. It's happening slowly. I feel like it is happening, just it's going to take a while. We, we did manage to find some mismatches in the midfield. But had North Melbourne had Cunnington, um, it could have been a much different story. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. This question from Cam. Our best ruck combo going forward. Thought Reeves was terrific against Goldie who was, uh, well, he's dominated against us many times before. Are we too tall and slow with him and McAvoy? I didn't rate Reeves around the ground, but in the ruck, which is where he excels, it was good. you know. And I feel that's why you need Ben McAvoy or even Max Lynch, because they're better at ground level. They can influence ground level contests much better than Reeves. And they also take marks around the ground, which Reeves doesn't, or rarely does. He doesn't get beaten often, but he rarely takes the mark. Reeves will become an excellent ruck. You've got to remember how Lynch and Reeves are both very young. And if they can build a team, the teamwork together, and, and you know, they could be good. You, you just you look at this game and you go, all right, we have some pieces and we have some problems. And we're going to watch Sammy work out some solutions. I mean, did you notice, I mean, I noticed um, very quickly that we were really more about making space for each other all over the park in this season. I thought that was really well worked out. I'm not sure other teams will let us do it, but our ability to create space, uh, especially um, Little McDonald 
always running forward of the ball and creating space behind himself was tremendous. Um, and, and when we went into our forward line, we actually had space there. And it, it just looks so much better, you know? Now, I know North let us do it, but also we were active in, in making sure we didn't have too many men in those voids that we want to keep open for the play. So, yeah, it's just a few different little things I noticed. And I noticed that, uh, like Clarko, Mitchell sent Gunston into the defence in the last few minutes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, that old trick. It worked. You know, there's, there's a little evolution of uh, the coaching there. And, and um, it'll be interesting next week because we should probably talk about Box Hill, who won their practice match, and and just who who performed down there, and and then we'll have a look at Port. Yeah, well, absolutely. Just just one final question as we seek to tie a bow in this round one clash with North Melbourne. Uh, this last one from Davo. What are your thoughts on the whole organisation doing the song? Did you think it was cringy, or was it a great inclusion? So Sammy sort of felt that this might be in question, and he said, "We're not going to do it every week," but he he felt that. Everyone at the club from the... I always love how they go for the bootstutter first. <laughs> they do, yeah. Because it's uh, it's sort of indicative of where they hold them in esteem. But... Uh... <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it's kind of backhanded by your measure, is it? Yeah, it's a backhander. And uh, no, but he, all he's doing is celebrating everyone's involvement. And uh, he wants everyone to share and... Um, see a role in the side. I, I think that's a great idea. Um, you need to get everybody on board. You need to get everybody enjoying the feedback. And also you need those players to realise that it's not just them. They're built on the shoulders of others, their careers, and, and um, how easy they find it or how prepared it is when they finally get to work. There's a lot of work before they before they get that. And, you know... Enjoying the moments where you win is is more about the sharing of that emotion than than that siren blowing. And, you know, really successful premiership players will tell you that. It's the relationships. And Mitch understands that. He'd understand it better than most. He's been there. He's been there many times. Uh, There's one word that makes this really important, and that's culture. That is what Mitchell is trying to instill. And the fact of the matter is that you know, it is only round one, and no, they don't have to do it every week, but it is a colossal effort for an organisation to ready themselves for the round one clash. And this is a celebration of, we did it, we got here, we've launched, and we're away, and the season will begin. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, and I noticed that uh, he's harking back to previous generations of hawkers, inviting them to training. and Yeah, yeah. Having them have a kick at goal, and there was one particular uh, kicking action that I probably could have lived out my life without ever seeing again, and that was Nick Hollands. Um, <laughs> he did indeed miss his shot at goal, I think, at training. So, did he? Oh, yeah. I, I must have fast-forwarded that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I like Nick, but I didn't like his kicking for long periods. But, yeah, he's. But that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to um, cement that culture and and band the whole of the history of the Hawthorne Footy Club into these players and instill the values. Um, and, and hopefully one of the things that results in is loyalty and, and, and um, you know, because that's very important if you're going to build a premiership side. 
and we've seen that with Crawford. Now, of course, Hawthorne's season is away. That's round one, done and dusted. Put a W in the column. Brilliant stuff. But Box Hill... Box Hill are gearing up for their first game of season 2022. They just had their last practice match hit out and uh, they celebrated a win, which is good. This is from boxhillhawks.com.au. Box Hill applied the finishing touches to its pre-season preparations on Sunday, defeating North Melbourne by 37 points in the club's fourth and final practice match ahead of round one. Now, Jackson Callow rucked. He did. I did not expect that. But uh, with McAvoy down and... Lynch and Reeves obviously, you know, occupying the senior team. That that left Box Hill a bit light on for options. So in Callow went to the ruck and didn't sound like he he did a bad job actually. It was an interesting little midfield follower contingent. Callow rucking, you got uh, Dan Howe there as well and Ned Long and uh, Jack Saunders at his feet too. So Jack Saunders, they're going to try and make into a midfield. That's... Uh... That's interesting. Well, ahead of recruiting him, he he had played some midfield time. He was kind of midfield wing forward, kind of a hybrid player. I remember there's one one game in particular where he kicks five goals from a midfield role, which was I, I remember seeing highlights of that going, Oh yeah, well if you can bring anything like this every week, I can see why we took him. Uh, yeah, Saunders can be at home in the midfield, um, and we know Long's got the the bigger body profile. Interesting how they went with Howe and Long, uh, two big body midfielders in that mix there. Well, probably to make up for Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> Howe plus Long equals Saunders, is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's just maths, baby. Uh, Ex-Docker Brady Gray was on hand. We uh, recruited him to Box Hill in the off-season, utilised as a forward. Uh, and he finished with four goals. So they knew what they were doing there, the Box Hill staff. And Kaczynski, he kicked three. How kicked a goal. Jacker a goal. Green a goal. Kavara got two. I mean, how would have thought he'd be in this lineup on, on, in round one, mate? Yeah, he would have been surprised, I'm sure. Because, uh, you know, he's recovering from the, the concussion. He went through the protocols. He would have been right to play. Uh, the fact that he would have, the, the fact that he wasn't selected, might have come as a bit of a rude awakening. I just want to correct you. I think How, Jekka, Green, and Kavara all got two. Oh, they all got two. Yes, I wow. think that is the case. Uh, in in any case, they all hit the scoreboard. Um, it's it's been an interesting preseason for Box Hill, and I wonder. I I I am curious as to how they're going to go. Round one, Collingwood versus Box Hill, coming up this Sunday, March twenty seven, twelve p.m. So there's no clash tears. You want to watch this game, you can get down to Victoria Park, or I believe this is still the case, you can watch it on Channel 7 on the Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Going to flick on the telly, I think, Nick. Not going to Victoria Park. (laughs) Oh, I can't blame you. Uh, I'll probably be doing the same, but nevertheless, I don't mind how I see it in person on TV. I'm hungry for a bit of Box Hill because I know what I saw last year, mate, and I liked what I saw. Oh, it's great comp. I enjoy watching it. So you got Cozzy there as we look to next week. You've got Cozzy there kicking three, so he's got a fair bit of touch. And uh, and Howe's kicking two out of midfield, you know. How many midfielders kicked goals on the weekend, Nick? <laughs> All right, point taken. So I was putting my mind to this earlier, and you've got to understand that probably McAvoy and Bruce will come back in this week. And what does that mean for the lineup? Well, we might be in danger of burying the lead here, mate, because there was a certain other senior hawk that had some time with box hill on the weekend and that is one will day who looks very much available for selection this week now i understand they cotton wooled him at about three quarter time isn't that right they did yep 
yep, he rested the final quarter. They thought, mission accomplished, that's enough of that. Uh, so he wrapped him up in cotton wool, and look, it looks like he's fine. He might sit out one more week, but there's a lot of hype going around at the moment that he will indeed be selected to travel over to Adelaide. I think after all the injuries in, uh, at Port, Hawthorne have got their tails up a bit, and they're thinking, you know, this is an unsettled lineup. I'll just read a few of them out. Zach Butters got a head knock. Alir Alir looks like he's gone for a couple of months. Connor Rosie is an ankle as well. Robbie Gray, his knee was impacted. Uh, Trent McKenzie was stretched off the ground, and Xavier Dersma had his collarbone rearranged by Robinson. So that's a lot of changes. Yeah, it's also not an ideal casualty ward for a side that's looking to contend this year. That's a, an awful predicament they're in. No Charlie Dixon up forward either, and he's been you know, the greatest threat against us for a long time. Um, the thing that sort of remains intact is their boisterous midfield. So exactly our weakness. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how we can combat that. You know? I want to take a look at the, uh, the injury wrap as well. Obviously, we said Max Lynch is unavailable. This is a bit down the line. We have the issue of where do we fit Impy into this side? Because he's got one more week and then he's apparently right to go. Connor Downey, if we want to insert him into the lineup, two weeks. Lockie Bramble's a bit of a, a bit of a worry now, sitting on that TBC. Uh, initially slated for six to seven weeks, but now they have no idea. Well, has he had surgery? Because they probably wouldn't have any idea. I'm not actually sure. What about Hardigan? Did he play for Box Hill, do you know? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he'd be pressing for a spot. Well, certainly, if, if Charlie Dixon happens to get up, and I'm hearing that's a long shot, uh, if it were me making the call, I'd bring him back in to to take on Dixon for sure, because that's that's the play that you need Hardigan for. That's the caliber of the the Ford Gorilla that you need Kyle Hardigan for. So would that that'd be Day's first game in his hometown anyway? Is that right? I suppose it is. Yeah. Is that what we're looking at here? Is this fairy tale? Selection? Is this going to be something that is a theme with Sammy? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Sammy's too determined to just win at all costs, I think. I think he's more likely, much more likely to be ruthless than he is sentimental, Sam Mitchell. Oh, I, I think he's very forward-looking. I think he's looking six to eight weeks ahead rather than, you know, next week or... Yep, I'd agree with that. You, you listen to, take take into account everything that he says. I think you're absolutely spot on there. And uh, he's all about this squad winning premierships and things. So he's just saying all the right things at the moment, Sammy. I was very, I was wrapped for him to get that win. So I think he made some good coaching decisions on the fly. And I thought that he made the most of, of what were strange decisions from, from North. Um, they, they, they had opportunities to, to shut down our attack. And, and Sammy doubled down by creating even more space. For us to run. Yeah, there were some good signs of adaptation uh, throughout that game, coaching-wise, which was great to see. A great win for Sam, uh, a great win for the players and the organisation, and for us fans, it's awesome to be back at the footy. And uh, look, we just can't wait to see more of this squad. Uh, whoever gets picked this week, it's just going to be exciting because we're, we're seeing the future unfold before our eyes. Now, speaking of all things future, uh, we've had our second AFLW signee revealed today. We welcome to Hawthorne Zoe Barbacos. 
The club made the announcement this afternoon, the electrifying small forward, an 18-year-old who has no trouble hitting the scoreboard and heaping pressure on her opponents, which sounds great to me. <laughs> I love those types of players, mate. Uh, the club website reports that she's a Sandringham Dragons product who has excelled across her five games in the NAB League so far this season. AFLW list manager Mitchell Cashin said Barbacos possesses enormous promise given her relative greenness in the sport. A tennis and uh, athletics background, Tiz. Well, the VFLW side is back on this weekend after having a bye last week. So they'll be looking to extend the run, Nick. Um, when are they playing? They're playing Saturday, 10 a.m. Uh, Trevor Barker Beach Oval is where you can find them live. Um, indeed, much the same case as the, uh, the Box Hill game. If you can't make it out there, uh, should be able to be streamed live on the AFL website. And I absolutely encourage you to do so. They're very good to watch this VFLW side at the moment, and especially because of the the implications it has for uh, for Hawthorne's future. This AFLW side that we're assembling, I, I I would like to see us get a bit of a wriggle on signing some of these players. I see that Sydney's AFLW side have pinched a couple of hours. One of my favourites, uh, Lauren Zagetti, has gone up to Sydney, and she's been very good for Hawthorne VFLWs. So that's a loss. I. I thought we were going to have her in our AFLW side for sure, so that annoys me. So why are we sitting on our hands? Is there any any reason there? Or I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I've I've really got to educate myself with exactly how the uh, how we can pull people off other people's lists. But um... we're into March. The AFLW season looks like it's been brought forward to August. You just might want to want to get a bit of a wriggle on Hawthorne. <laughs> just start signing some players, please. Well, it's tough if you don't know who you can take off other squads. Well, indeed, yeah. That'll do it for this week, mate. It's been a pretty comprehensive look at, at, at what's been a good week for the club. Mate, I could have gone for another hour on that. That was a wonderful day. I, I haven't forgotten a bit of it yet. Then immediately got home, watched the replay. Yeah, I've got to admit, on the tram, I was already watching the highlights back. Can't get enough of it. It was, it was just, as I said, so good to be back in standing room and amongst familiar faces and there with family as well. And as I say, we got to meet some listeners uh, I remember you saying last week on the podcast that it promised to be a very good day indeed, and that's exactly how it played out. It was a day that went to script for me, um, and I imagine that's much the same case for you as well. So, full marks. Yeah, the, I mean, the crowd was a little low, but if the AFL are going to fill the car park with um, calamari vans, that'll happen. You know, just, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. The crowd was low, but it was a bit more than I was expecting. I, I tipped less than 35,000. We managed 38. Oh, so. nah, come on. Now, look, this is this is more of this media spin. The AFL have been talking up getting the most people ever to a round one, and then nothing, like nowhere near it. Oh, it's, it's well short. Estimate 80,000, like 35 turned up for one of the games. I was like, <laughs> you know... Wednesday night, grand final rematch, season opener to kick the whole shebang off. They uh, they tipped 75,000, and I was there. I, I was one of 58,000, so they were well off with their projections there. Well, I, I know three people who didn't go to the game because they, you know, it's too hard. If you, Who wants to go on public transport at the moment? Yeah, well, these days, yep, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just odd, just weird, just weird little things that... Maybe if I wrote a letter, they'd tell me. <laughs> well, well, mate, we're back on the couch this weekend, so <laughs> you won't have to deal with any of that because uh, we'll be on TV Saturday night. 
Port Adelaide versus Hawthorne and Adelaide Oval, Saturday, 7.40pm. We're wrapping up, so it's time to get to the social media stuff. Now, if you're listening to our show via Apple Podcasts, why not take a second to leave a rating or a review? Not only does it make our day to read them, of course, it uh, draws other hawkers to the show, which is, of course, a wonderful thing. We like to build our community that way, uh, just as we do over on Twitter, at HawkTalkPod. We're inching towards our next major milestone of 3,300 followers. That is just huge. The community is growing all the time before our very eyes. And uh, the same goes for over on Facebook, too. Our Facebook family growing. Facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod if you want to jump on there and join it. Uh, and we're on Instagram as well. Just search Instagram.com slash HawkTalkPod. And uh, lastly, of course, a very special shout out to our proud, passionate, and paid up Patreon subscribers who have all signed up at Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. Now, we're able to put time and effort and lots of love into this podcast thanks to your support. That's pretty much how it is. Uh, we've had a couple of new subscribers as well. We want to welcome Jesse and welcome Matthew. We really appreciate you being on board. And, uh, we, of course, as we said at the top of the show, we want to say thanks to all the listeners that made time out of their day to meet us at the MCG and pick up a copy of our season guide, which is a labor of love. We put a lot into that, and uh, it was very lovely to meet everybody. And uh, I'm so glad that, you know, the majority of people we spoke to, Tiz, pretty nervous about, oh, don't really know what to expect from this game. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, when the sirens sounded, we all got to share it together. It was a great win. Oh, there were big smiles, though. Like, they were very happy to even be turning up to the G. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It's so important to get that round one win for the confidence and for the fans. And, you know, you, you become expectant. And we're thinking about next week and wondering, you know, if we could win. It's Port Adelaide. <laughs> nearly made the grand final, you know. Anyway, I think it's about time to circle back around to that tweet from Limo. Who do we play in the grand final? <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, mentioning the season guide before, uh, if anyone wants a copy of that, we've got them available online. You can order a hard copy. Uh, we've got an eBay link where you can just purchase it outright. None of this bidding stuff. Don't worry about that. Just purchase it outright. It's available on eBay. Just search Hawk Talk Podcast for that. Um, we've also got uh, like EPUB Kindle editions via Amazon. Uh, they're available if you sign up to our Patreon as well, patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. You can get a digital copy there. Or round three for the Carlton Clash, we'll be back for a little bit. We'll uh, we'll have hard copies there and we'll sell some in person again. Are we going to be in the same spot? Yeah, I think yeah, same plans and everything. Oh, of course, we'll keep everyone abreast of all the details uh, via our social media platforms. So if you are keen, uh, do keep an eye out for that. We've got Carlton that day, don't we? Yes, that's right. Yeah, Hawthorne-Carlton. It is an away game. So Carlton hosting us at the MCG, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be there, absolutely. Well, I couldn't have asked for a better start to the year. A, a victory under Sammy, Sicily turning up, looking like he hadn't missed a game, Gunston recalling Norm Smith-worthy <laughs> efforts. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just wonderful to see us back up and running and, and the, the media... Really aren't up to speed with it yet, are they? They're sort of pinching themselves. How did this happen? And poor David King, you know. Oh, you just reminded me. That was another highlight from the weekend. David King, noted commentator for Fox Footy, is a famous face that uh, joined the commentary team for Channel 7, mate. I, I had a great pleasure listening to on the weekend. That was Sean Burgoyne. Oh, right. Which game did he have? He had Brisbane Port Adelaide. Of course he did. <laughs> was he one eyed? No, he was actually he was very good. 
is very good. Oh, I didn't catch that game. All right, that'll be good to listen to. So we might have Sean on the weekend. We yeah, well, Actually, we probably will have Sean on the weekend. Being Saturday night, there's another Saturday night fixture with Port Adelaide. And Hawthorne. And Hawthorne, Hawthorne champion, thank you, Sean Burgoyne. None I'm of just this... saying that he called Port Adelaide's <laughs> game last week and he's now affiliated with that club again. Fair enough. Don't come for me. <laughs> It's not how we end this podcast, it's having a go at me. I enjoy people having a go at you, like the uh, the blokes that were down from Darwin. Oh, I walked right into it. I walked right into it again. Trotted off the train and, and they had one question. You coming up to Darwin this year? And, you know, I'd, I've already been, so it's all the pressure's on you, Nick. <laughs> See you next week, folks. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.